I invite you to turn to the book of Judges, and we are in a series in this amazing book in the Old Testament filled with extraordinary stories, and we've come to the story of Gideon, and we're at this pivotal moment in the story of Gideon. He's been prepared for the battle, and now comes the moment. And we're looking at Judges chapter 7, and I'll read for us from verse 9 through to verse 25. As we come now to God's word, let's pray together. Our Lord, we do indeed turn our eyes upon Jesus. Help us, Lord, as we hear your word together to see his wonderful face. Move among us by your spirit. And show us Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. So friends, Judges uh, Judges chapter 7 and beginning at verse 9. Let's hear God's word together. That same night the Lord said to him, that is Gideon, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with uh, Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp, and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the hosts of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, when they had just set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their hands, in their left hand, the torches, and in their right hands, the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord said, Every man's sword against his comrade. 
and against all the army. And the army fled as fell as Bethshaita towards Serara, as far as the border of Abel Mehalah by Tabath. And the men of Israel were called out from Naphtali and from Asher and from all Manasseh, and they pursued after Midian. Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and capture the waters against them as far as Beth Barah and also the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they captured the waters as far as Beth Barah and also the Jordan. And they captured the two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. And then they pursued Midian and they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. This is the moment of truth. It's decision point time. Gideon has had God's guidance. He's dwindled the forces down to a mere 300. They're looking down over the valley where the massed army of their enemies is encamped. Now's the moment of truth. Will they go or won't they go? It's decision time. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. A moment of truth. Time for decision. I suppose most of you have never gone swimming in the waters around the British Isles. But if you had, you would know that the temperature of those waters is not quite like the Gulf of Mexico or uh, Florida or wherever. It can be cool, to put it mildly. And when you go in those waters, uh, you will sometimes find that there's some brave soul who will forge ahead into the, into the water, into the sea. And when he gets in, this brave individual will look back on the rest of you gathered around the beach, timorously wondering whether you dare enter those waters, and he or she will call out, it's lovely when you're in. And everyone thinks, yeah, right. It is lovely when you're in. When you're fully committed to God. When you're no longer on the edge, but you're in. Two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Decision time. A moment of truth. Gideon here, as it were, there are two parts to the decision that he takes. First of all, he puts his toe in the water to test the temperature. And then he dives right in. He takes the plunge. First of all, he puts his toe in the water. Verse 9. The Lord said to him, 
the Lord said. This is always the beginning of fresh new spiritual vitality, a fresh sensitivity to God's word. The Lord said to him, now Gideon doesn't ask for further tests and all the rest. He doesn't lay out any more fleeces that we saw last week. He, 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 he listens to God's word. The Lord said to him. It is always the beginning of fresh spiritual vitality when God's word takes its rightful place in the throne of our churches and ministries and in the throne room of our hearts. The Lord said, We don't study the Bible together as a church through a commitment to religious tradition. We don't do it because it's the sort of thing that you're meant to do in church life. We don't have Bible studies, men's and women's Bible studies, because, well, that's the kind of thing you should do, so I suppose we'll do it. We're not doing it just to honor our forebears. We're doing it because we want to hear what God has to say to us right now. The Lord said one great preacher would say it is an unalterable principle that a deaf church is a dead church it's always the pattern fresh fresh vitality begins with a fresh sensitivity to what God is saying through his word. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Sometimes find, and I, I know this isn't, it can't be the case for here anymore because you've got used to, to, to my accent. But I, I sometimes find that when I preach for the first time in some group or other, that the accent with which I preach has a, a little bit of there's a dynamic going on that I need to sort of put to one side. And I was preaching somewhere recently when they, when I was chatting to them beforehand and before I got up to preach and they heard my accent and they said, well, with your accent, we just assume you're very clever. <laughs> and I didn't, want to, I didn't want to disabuse them of the notion. I just smiled gratefully. You know. Forget the... Someone once came up to me after a church service and said, with your accent, I could listen to you read the phone book. I wasn't sure whether that was flattery or a criticism, but <laughs> so I decided the following week to actually have a phone book beneath the pulpit and get it out and begin to read it and then say, see, it's not the same. Remove, remove my accent out of the equation. Listen to what God is saying to you now, here. And basically what he says to Gideon is put your toe in the water. He tells him, he says, well, if you're still afraid, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, verse 10. And so he does, and then Gideon goes down, and he hears this chap telling a rather strange dream that he'd had, and in there... 
superstitious, unin, uneducated, uninformed sort of mentality. They, 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 they're, they're scared by this dream, and yet, of course, God is using it. I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread, and all the rest, and then it flattened the tents, and then they assume, well, okay, so what does this mean? What it means is that, that, that God has given the victory to Gideon, and, and, and all the tents will be flattened by Gideon. The barley bread was perhaps associated with the Israelites because of the, the removal of other kinds of bread. He put his toe in the water. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Test me in this, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, and see if I will not pour out on you all the floodgates of heaven with blessing beyond what you can ever keep. Try it out. Taste and see. See what happens if this week you are fully committed to God. See what happens if this week you give your whole life to Jesus. See what that does with your anxiety, your depression, the difficulties you experience at home. If you're fully in taste and see, try it out. It is an unbiblical notion, the notion of a leap of faith. We're not called to leap into the dark to commit our lives to God. No, test and see, see what it's like. Jesus didn't rise again from the dead and sort of disappear and not show himself to anyone. He, he rose again from the dead and then showed himself to, well, 500 people at one time. There, there are facts. Faith is putting your trust in the truth. It's not a leap into the dark. It's a step into the light. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't know whether you find this, but sometimes when I'm talking with an atheist and I'm sharing my faith with an atheist, They'll sometimes after a while say to me with a, a longing look in their eye, oh, I admire your faith. And if I was quick-witted enough, I've always wished that I would look back at them and say, no, 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 I admire your faith. Because we all have faith in something. Put your toe in the water. Taste and see. Faith follows facts and then feelings follow along behind. Test me in this and see if I will not pour out the floodgates of heaven blessing upon you. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. So he puts his, his toe in the water. But then he jumps right in. You'll see this from verse 15 to the end. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of, its, of the dream and its interpretation, 
he worshipped. Well, that's what we're doing here this morning. We're hearing God's word, and the response is worship. God is speaking to us, and so we're moved to give him the glory and worship him. We sing in our we sing our worship. We respond in our hearts to the, to the prayer time in worship. We listen to God's word in worship. God is here by his spirit. We sense him. And so we respond in worship. Well, Gideon did that, but he didn't stop there. He then did something. He goes back to the camp and says, okay, let's go, arise. The Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And then he's very practical and he divides the 300 men into three companies and he puts trumpets in their hands and and, and empty jars with torches inside the jars and then he leads. He says, follow me, I'll do this and then you follow uh, what I'm going to do. Do what I do. And you're to shout for the Lord and for Gideon. And they go up and they into the, into the hills around the camp and blow the trumpets and smash the torches and, and, and a sword for the Lord and for Gideon and the, the, the massed army of their rapacious enemies having heard the dream and its interpretation now fear that it is coming true. And they turn on one another, fighting each other. And there's chaos. Gideon jumps right in. Having heard the dream in this interpretation, he doesn't think about it for a week. He doesn't say, well, let's get together six prayer meetings and pray about what to do. He acts right there and then. He dives in. Imagine what would have happened if Gideon had not acted that way. If instead, Gideon, having heard the dream and its interpretation, waited a day or two or three or a week or two or a month, what would have happened? Well, of course, all the army then would have said to themselves, well, that dream that we feared was going to be interpreted with our destruction. Clearly, that's not the right interpretation of the, of the dream. And the, the opportunity would have been lost. The moment would have gone. It's decision time. It's a moment of truth. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I don't know whether you've noticed, but there are two techniques that people seem to use when they're trying to get into cold water. The first technique is the inching in technique. You know, it's like, oh, oh. if you watch people do that, oh, it's so cold. And they inch in up to their ankles and their knees. Oh, it's, it's very cold and slowly inching in. The other technique is the dive right in technique. Gideon dove right in. He plunged in. I I think it's a theological principle. 
Second Corinthians chapter 6. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of God's favor. If you're hearing God speak to you, don't delay. Sign up to get baptized on the 24th. Join the men's and women's Bible study group. Get involved in volunteering or service. Don't delay. Don't wait. Now is the acceptable day. Now is the moment. A moment of truth. A decision time. There are lots of barriers that people have that prevent them from actually making a commitment. One common barrier is busyness. It can be business with good things, even religious things. If you are a Wheaton College student, there are so many good spiritual things that can fill your days and your time. You have to go to chapel so many times in the year. I don't know exactly what the algorithm is, but they track these things apparently. And then there's Bible studies and mentors and teaching and lectures and prayer groups and accountability and blah. There's all this good religious business. And it can be easy to think to yourself, I don't need the local church. But you, if you only experience university life, or a university group like InterVarsity or Campus Crusade, if you go to University of Illinois or College of DuPage or some other college group around here, which there, there are quite a number, if you only experience that, you're experiencing people in the age range of 18 to 22 and IQ above 120 or so. It's not exactly the church. You need to experience the family of God to have spiritual health. Business can be one common barrier. Another common barrier, I think, these days is technology. It sometimes seems to me that when I'm preaching, because we have got so used to looking at all of life through the, our, our screens or our devices, We've got so used to that way of engaging with experience that when I'm preaching, it sometimes seems to me that as I look out, people are looking at me as if they can see me, but I cannot see them. Because, you know, when you look at someone on the screen, they can't look back at you unless Google's got some really weird technology going on that we don't know about. And, 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 and the people look at me as if I'm on a TV screen or something and as if I can't see their faces too. You should try it from my perspective sometimes. It's remarkable the kind of face patterns that people have when you're preaching to them. All sorts of things. <laughs> this is an encounter. This isn't a piece of technology. This is a moment. A moment of truth. A decision time. An encounter, not with me, but with him. 
age can also be a barrier. As we go on in the Christian life, and God willing, we get more mature, of course that's a good thing, but it can come with challenges that prevent us from actually committing to what God is doing now rather than yesterday or some other place at some other time. We can sit and listen to sermon and think to ourselves, well, you know, I would interpret verse 18b differently, by the way, if anyone would listen to my opinion. That's what's going on in our head. We don't have the childlike commitment. Of course, children can be unstable, very excited one moment and weeping in tears the next moment. There's value in spiritual maturity, of course. But we should still have that childlike commitment to what God is saying now. Winston Churchill on his 75th birthday was asked whether he was ready to meet his maker and funny as always and ready with a quip Winston Churchill replied I am ready to meet my maker whether my maker is ready for the ordeal of meeting me is another question funny whimsical clever but it does raise the question are you Ready to meet your maker? It's a moment of truth. A decision time. Two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. For sure, test the waters. Put your toe in the waters. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Try me in this and see if I will not pour out on you the blessings of heaven so much that you cannot contain them. Try what it's like this week to be fully committed to Jesus. See what that does for the problems you face at work or at home. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Try me in this, says the Lord. Taste. And see that the Lord is good. Oh, yes. But there is a moment of truth. And then we've got to plunge in, dive in. And once we do, keep swimming. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the graciousness that you showed to Gideon over and over again. Letting him put his toe in the water and see from this dream in the army camp that really you were at work and you were going to give the victory. Thank you, Lord, that you're so gracious to us. Try me in this. Taste and see. Thank you, Lord, that when we do fully commit, whether with a commitment to be baptized or 
and get involved in the church here or serve in some ministry or turn away from some sinful pattern and give our life to you again or for the first time. Thank you, Lord, that when we do commit, you are faithful. And indeed, salvation does belong to the Lord. And the sword of Gideon, the sword of the Spirit, is the Word of God. So we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.